Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. Thank what you are you laughing at? I'm laughing at you. Um, thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you. Today we're going to talk about when you should drop all that self-help and seek qualified help through a trainer. Good idea. There's so much information out there floating around. A lot. Yeah, meaning from highly motivating positive techniques to some really negative stuff. Yeah. So between books and television. Friends friends and your vets and your groomer and the person who works at the local pet store. And crazy doggy dish girls. I don't know about them. You know, I'm not sure I like them. <laughs> I like them, but they just think they know everything. <laughs> but there is uh, so much information. There really is. And, in fact, when we started Doggy Dish, we were really clear about making sure that we created an adjunct to training rather than trying to create a training manual. Right. It's not a how-to. It's general concepts about dogs and behavior and how they think and how they process things. Because when you read something or you hear about it or you see it on the television, you can either execute it well Mm -hmm. or if you execute it poorly, frequently you can actually create a bigger problem than Mm -hmm. you had when you started. Right. And And what works for one dog doesn't always work for another dog. And that's why quite often when I'm working with somebody and I'm teaching their dog to do something, I will do it 10 or 15 times myself first to make sure, number one, that it's a very fluid motion on the dog's part, but also to make sure that I know exactly where to put my hand to get the dog to do something so that then I can instruct the owner. Because if I'm instructing the owner from 10 feet away and I haven't done it myself, then that may not be what needs to be done. Yeah, you're working through the specificity of it by making them do it, and that's really a problem. And it's messing up the dog in the meantime, because then the dog is now being experimented with. And he's probably getting frustrated. There's probably a whole lot of things going on that you just really don't want to happen in dog training. Right. Frequently, I think people, they'll start with trying to teach some easy behaviors, sit down, those kinds of things. Those things, I think, that you can pick up some information through good sources, you know, good books and that kind of thing. But unfortunately, what happens with people who go out to do self-help a lot of times is they try something that they heard from one source. Mm -hmm. And then they do it for about a week, and it doesn't work out exactly the way that they thought it should. So they try something from another source. Right. And they try that for about a week, and it doesn't work out exactly the way they thought it should. So they try something from another source. What happens is the dog gets progressively more confused. Right. A lot of times these ideas actually run counter to one another. Mm Mm-hmm. The dog gets frustrated and confused, and not only can it not fix the problem, but it could actually exacerbate the problem and make things a lot worse. So it's a really good idea to read dog training books, and it's a really good idea to seek information, and God knows I want you to listen to Doggy Dish. Yes, (laughs) yes, please. But the thing is, you know, at some point there may come a time when you have an issue with your dog where your best bet is to seek training. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we wanted to talk about today. I think when you first bring a dog home, if you can afford it, get some help. Yeah. Hire somebody to help you with it. You this. might as well start off on the right foot. That's just it. If you start that initial relationship off correctly, 
you can avoid so many problems. Right, because otherwise you try to do it and you do it incorrectly because you don't know any better or you there's some little idiosyncrasy in the dog that is going to be different than what's written in the book or what your friend's dog did. Mm-hmm. And it goes on and on and on, and now six months later, now you have to call in somebody to fix it, and now we have six months' worth of bad habit that we have to try to get rid of. It's much more time-consuming for both the amount of time that you're going to have to work with the trainer and also for the amount of time that you're going to have to work with the dog, certainly. That's mm-hmm. huge. Um, in addition to that, sometimes the most important part about dog training is being able to read what's happening with the dog. And when you are going from information that you've seen on television or that you've read in a book, frequently what you think is happening may be not actually what's going on. And right. a lot of times when I know when I go out to work with clients, they will tell me, they'll explain a situation the way that they see it. And I'll walk in and I'll watch the situation and I'll see, well, I know why what you're doing isn't working because you're trying to address this and it's not even what your problem is. Right. They're, yeah, there are plenty of times that I'll talk to somebody on the phone and they'll say that their 16-week-old puppy is just viciously biting and biting and biting. And I see, you know, he's teething right now. So is it that? No, he's vicious. He's vicious. And I go there, and I have to really refrain from laughing because it's just a puppy being a puppy. Normal behavior, yeah. And a lot of times when people have problems with their dogs, it has a lot more to do with a problem with the communication. Yeah. And misunderstanding about the way these two species process their their world and process the information than it does to do with the dog having any real problems or the dog being a problem. Yeah. There are people who can do perfectly well without a dog trainer, and there are people who can absorb information from a book and have it apply really well to what they're doing. Or they can watch something on television and hopefully you're watching the right trainers on television. But you can watch something on television. That was Kim speaking. I'll let you write out of the floor. <laughs> anyway, hopefully you're, you're you know, tuning into the right information. And you can get some information from the television, and it's good information, and you can apply it well, and it will work for you. Right. And even books, because we all know that what you see is not always what you get as far as written information. I remember doing an exercise where it's written down how to fold a specific piece of paper. And we did this as an exercise in a dog seminar that I went to. And we all got the exact same written information. We all got a piece of paper, and we all folded it the way we read the instructions, and we all came out with something different. And very few of us had it the way the person who wrote the instructions actually wanted it. That's what I'm saying. There is a percentage that mm-hmm. is going to get it right. And so I'm not saying that everybody in the world needs to have a dog trainer. Right. What I am saying is it's really something that you have to evaluate honestly. And sometimes um, people don't want to hire a trainer. They don't want to spend the money or they don't want to take right. the time or whatever it is. And so they evaluate something and they keep giving it the benefit of the doubt. And while they're trying to, quote, fix the problem, they're going so far off the mark, they're actually digging that hole deeper and deeper. Yeah. And we get to the problem, and it's a really big deal. So I think that maybe we can give you some guidelines, and these are just guidelines, of when you might want to go to a trainer. Again, my instinct is if you've never had a dog before, get a dog trainer. Yeah, at least for the initial consult. There's things that I can teach you in my first and I'm, this is not me pushing myself. I'm just saying. As oh, a sure it is. Well, I just admit it. I well, I am the greatest trainer alive, but whatever. Anyway, Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> You're the greatest trainer in the room. I think she might have just kicked me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, you know, there are things that 
I, I'm sure that's the same with you. When I go out on that initial consultation, mm -hmm. it's, which mine is, my first one is a two-hour consultation. Yeah, mine's supposed to be an hour and a half, but it runs closer to two hours. It, it just does. But there's so much information. Because I, we want to get you started on the right track. Absolutely. And you know what? Usually after I go out and I talk to people and I give them all this information, they're like, oh, my God, I yeah. had no idea that there was all that I didn't know about this. Mm -hmm. So if you've never had a dog before, that's a good time to consider at least one time. Have a trainer out. Have somebody out to help yeah. you. And not so much with the ABCs of sit, down, stay, but with the let me help you understand this new creature. Let me right. give you this owner's manual that, you know, these don't necessarily come with. Right. Because it, the dog training books out there aren't necessarily owner's manuals of how to work with this other species. And frequently, again, you know, it requires somebody looking at your dog and really picking up on your dog's yeah. signals and helping you learn how to interpret the dog's signals. And that's sometimes specific to your dog. The other time to seek a trainer would be if you have a situation where you are afraid. Yes. If you are afraid of your dog, don't muddle through for another five and a half minutes. Right. You know, I get calls like this, people who just five minutes ago, the dog snapped at their child or growled at somebody, and then we schedule an appointment, but let's say our schedules don't work out so we can't get together for, for five or six days or even longer, and then they call to cancel because now the dog has been fine for the last five or six days, and now it's not a problem anymore, so it's not so urgent. The problem's going to happen again. Right. But Unless now it's not so urgent, so they feel like they don't need to... to have somebody come out and take a look at the dog. That's a proactive versus reactive situation. Yeah. That is in preemptive training. Honestly, that you're right. That's sometimes, or the dog does something and he's never done it before, so they don't take it seriously. Right. But here's the thing about behavior, and this isn't just dogs, this is people too. Behavior changes. It grows. It evolves. And so because a dog hasn't done something before, but he starts something new, doesn't mean that you don't need to deal with it because, well, he's never done that before. Yeah. Sometimes you need to deal with it because, he, guess what, he just got that bright idea. Yeah. And it was so much fun, or it worked, and nobody called me on it. But, and it was very reinforcing to me. So now you're going to see it again. Yeah. I liked that. So definitely if you start to feel afraid of something that your mm -hmm. dog does. But even if you're not afraid, if you have a dog that – is doing something, you really don't know how to fix it, and you're getting frustrated, get some help. Yeah. Get some help because your frustration will make the problem worse. Right. And as we said, you know, if the problem goes on longer, it's going to take even longer to fix, which means that you're going to have to have a trainer come out for more sessions, whereas if, if you cut it off at the very beginning, you may only need one session right. to fix the problem because it's only happened one time. We can come in, we give you the information you need to fix the problem, and then you do the homework. But if you let it go on for six months or a year or even a couple of years or five or six years, which I've had before, right. now suddenly you want it changed, you get mad because I'm telling you I need to see you today and I need to see you in two weeks for a follow-up to make sure you're on the right track and then we may need to tweak the protocol again after that. So that's not exactly my fault that we need more sessions because you put it off for so long. Well, and you might be in a situation that you need five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten sessions if you've waited long enough. Yeah. It depends on how big you've let the behavior grow, and it mm -hmm. depends on how long you've let the dog practice it. And as long as the dog practices it, then when you start to make a change, you have to work on that for twice as long as the dog has practiced exactly. the behavior. So when you get to a point where you have a problem behavior and you feel frustrated, that you don't know what you're doing, that's a good time to call a trainer out. Right. It's a really good time because before you start getting irritated, when you get aggravated with your dog and you start reacting in frustration,
problems usually get worse. They don't get better. Right. What happens, and this is human nature. This isn't you. This isn't me. This isn't anybody. This is just human nature. What happens is when we start to get frustrated, we start to do things that make us feel better. That's when we get into punishment. Right. We start to punish because it makes us feel better. We're mad. We're angry. We're frustrated. We're whatever. And so we start to punish. But the truth is it doesn't create any kind of understanding, and it doesn't change anything. It won't work. Yeah. Bottom line, it won't work. Right. And so this brings us to where do you find a qualified trainer? Because there is no real national qualification that you have to have. It's not like a bar exam that you cannot practice law without having passed this exam. Um, there are, There is a national certification program out there for dog trainers, but, again, it's not mandatory. And it's also only a written exam. It doesn't say how you actually – all it means is that you know the, the science of learning and behavior, which I shouldn't say all it means because that is a big deal. But there are plenty of good trainers out there who are not certified. And I've met science-based trainers that I didn't feel were any – could handle a dog. Exactly. Because there, it's all book learning and there's no actual hands-on experience. And a lot about dogs is figuring – is really instincts and figuring out what's going on. Right. And really being able to read the situation. Right. And I used to get phone calls from people who would say they had been calling around to different people and they would say, well, are you certified? And this was before this national certification came up. And I said, certified by who? And they would say, well, I don't know, but I was talking to another trainer who, you know, I told them that I was calling around talking to different people, and they told me to make sure that whoever I hire is certified. And chances are that person was just certified by one of those six-week dog training courses that now they're certified. They went to school for six weeks, Which and now they're certified. They the course. It just means, and because getting certified from the place that you paid money to just means, like you said, that you finished the course, whereas at least this new national certification is an independent, you know, organization that is testing your skill and knowledge. I think our business has a ways to go. Oh, absolutely. our industry has a way to go in that. But the bottom line is, when you go out and you start uh, looking for a trainer, there's a few key questions that you can ask. Mm -hmm. One of the questions is, what kind of methods do you use? What is your philosophy for dog training? If they say something that really seems uncomfortable to you, you know, run run the other way. Even if they've become highly recommended by somebody who's worked with them. Because there are trainers. There are a lot of different training techniques out there. Some of them are more adversive than others. And you may feel comfortable with adversive training, but you may not. Right. Or maybe whoever recommended them to you had a dog who might be able to tolerate the more harsh training methods and your dog not. Right. And so just because something worked for one dog doesn't mean it's going to work for another dog. Absolutely. The best way to figure out if you're comfortable with a trainer is try to get some kind of time around them. If you're mm-hmm. thinking about going to group classes, go watch the classes. Absolutely. Go, yeah. watch, go observe. Go see what's going on. Yeah. Or if you're going to hire a private trainer and you call up a trainer and they won't take the time to talk to you on the phone, mm-hmm. Probably don't want to work with them. Right. Because we're all busy. I'm busy. You're busy. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I want people to feel comfortable with me. They're asking me into their home. Right. And well, and you know, not only that, but as a trainer, I want to talk to the person because I want to make sure that I'm going to be dealing with somebody who's committed. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come into your home, take your money, and have you not do the homework. Right. Because it's 
demeaning to my profession. Right. And to me and to to what I do to go into your home, take your money, and have you just not do anything. Because trainers don't come in and train your dog. There are boot camps and board and trains and that kind of thing where people take your dog to their place and they work with your dog. Which you have to be very careful of. Well, and you have to have very limited expectations yeah. when it comes to something like that. Because honestly... Um, most of dog training is about your relationship. This is my belief, anyway. Most of dog training is about your relationship with your dog. It is how your dog relates to you. It's how your dog relates in your home. It happens how he relates to everything that he lives with. And so he can learn the sit down, stay stuff and still really not be very fun to live with. Right. And you're not going to get back a remote control dog. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that happens is people hire a trainer and they have the trainer come out and they think that the trainer is going to do something that is going to train the dog. We train you. Yeah. We do work with your dogs. Yeah. And you know what? We can get the behavior on your dogs for us. Yeah. But we train you. We train right. you how to get the behavior you want yeah. to see. I got a phone call once, and I'm going to talk about this because I didn't hire her as a client. So it's not just about you hiring us as trainers. It's about us hiring accepting. you, accepting sure. you as a client. Because, like I said, we don't want to come in and have it not get done, have right. us not see some, you know, accomplishment. Right. So I had this woman call me up, and the dog was apparently destructive when she wasn't home. Mm-hmm. It was a little dog. And she says to me, apparently she had been calling around to people, and we had all told her the same thing, I don't want you to just come over here and talk. I want you to train the dog. I want you to train him not to be destructive. Unrealistic and, expectations. Yeah. How are you ever going to make that happen? I know. I said, well, will the dog be destructive while I'm sitting there? Well, no, of course not. He's only destructive when I'm not home. Okay, then how do you suggest I fix the problem if he's not going to demonstrate the behavior while I'm there? I mean, I can come in, you know, I can take a look at your house, take a look at your setup, figure out how to set up a program with you of where you're going to put him so that he can't be destructive and in the meantime work on some leadership stuff and and those kinds of things. And she just kept going back to, well, I don't want you to just come over here and talk. I want you to train the dog. Right. And I said, then I'm not the trainer for you. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just have to do that. Sometimes you just have to say, you know what, I know that I can't make you happy because I believe that your expectations are unrealistic. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is no way. If you can find someone to do this, good luck to you. Right. I know you can't. That's the funny thing. I know you can't. You might be able to find somebody who will agree to do this, Mm -hmm. but I know they can't do it. Right. And not only that, but, you know, you shouldn't have to sign up for 10 sessions from anybody. Right. You know, I mean, I know trainers who only sell a six-session package or a 10-session package. They will not come in for just one session, which I think is ridiculous. They would rather have a whole bunch of money up front and be able to fix your problem in two sessions, but they're going to force you to buy this many extra sessions. Right. Yeah, unfortunately, there are so many abuses in our profession that it's almost impossible. I mean, I I think that one of the worst things that happens is that people go on websites, and I've read websites from trainers that were, I know the trainers. Mm-hmm. That was not a representation of that trainer. And that's one of the reasons, actually, that we're doing these podcasts. Right. Because anybody can say anything they want to on their website, but you really don't know right. until you meet them or you see them work with your dog. And right. so one of the reasons we're doing this is so that you can get to know us. Because if you listen to this podcast, 
this is who we are. Yeah, this is who we are. Now, I uh, recently went on a website from somebody who is training in my area, and um, in addition to the fact that her website is not a representation of who she is, I know how she trains. She uses very adversive techniques, and her website makes it sound like flowers and roses. Right. But in addition to that, um, at the bottom of it, she wrote licensed, bonded, and insured. Well, she may carry insurance, but I would like to know who she got licensed and bonded with. Yeah. Because as far as I know, what would that be? I mean, Maybe that she's talking a business she, license. Maybe. You know, she she, she registered her name with the city. Right. It sounds official. But honestly, you know, it's just so, it's such a misrepresentation. Right. So just, when you're going to hire a trainer, you don't have to hire us, but of course that's a big mistake. But right, right. <laughs> Yes, and if you're in Connecticut, we'll come there. <laughs> but no, I'm just, I'm <laughs> this is who I am. But if you're going to hire a trainer, what you need to do is take the time to talk to them and really get comfortable with who is this person. Right. If they're pushing really hard, if they're trying to scare you, that's one of my principal things yes. that I don't like about Yes, thank you for mentioning that. Is trainers who use scare tactics. Right. You know, there have been times that I've been on the phone with somebody where I've had to say to them, what your dog is doing is scary, and this does have the potential to be a problem. Right. So please, if you do not have me come to your house, please do seek a qualified trainer. Yeah. It doesn't have to be me, but yeah. you do have a problem right. there. But I know that there are trainers who get on and try to a very Intimidate hard, you? Yes, a very hard sales pitch based on the fact that your dog is going to hurt somebody, he's going to bite someone, and you're going to get sued. He's a liability, you're going to get sued, and I, and I've heard people tell me this when they've called a particular trainer, he said that my dog is going to bite somebody, and he's the only one who can fix my dog. And if I don't have him fix my dog, then I might as well put it to sleep. I have no words to say, but I am grinning. <laughs> and yeah, because you, you know who I'm talking of about. Of course I do. Yeah. You know... The thing is that you need to go out and look for training when a problem is bigger than you are. And be very careful about doing too much, seeking too much information through books and television and your friends and your friends' friends and the veterinarian and all these different places. You really need to find somebody who can help you with your problem and then stick to their protocol. Yeah. If it's something that you feel comfortable with, if you feel it is something that is not unfair or destructive to your dog, Stick to the protocol. Give it the time to do what it needs to do. And then if you need to change protocols, maybe that's a good time to go talk to a trainer. Right. Qualify your trainer well. Right. I mean, there are a couple of organizations where you can go on and find trainers. Um, again, some of them, the trainers just pay a membership fee and then they get listed. Mm -hmm. But they do have ethics rules that you have to train by, like the APDT is one of them, the Association of Pet Dog Trainers. And that would be APDT.com. Mm -hmm. um, then there's also the IAABC. Laura's and a member, by the way. That's why she's very I am, proud. <laughs> I am. IAABC.org, mm -hmm. um, where you can seek a qualified trainer there. And they have a little more, a uh, lot more paperwork, a lot more uh, experience you need to be accepted into their organization. The other thing is, if you have a friend or a neighbor or someone who has a dog that is really works really nicely, is a really nice dog that you admire that dog, ask them, did you work with someone? Yeah. Were they local? What were they like? Because sometimes that's a really good source. I know that I get a lot of my business's referrals mm -hmm. because our clients know. Yeah. And I think that we're not the only trainers that are like that. No. There, there are people out there that they can back up what they say they can do yeah. with cases that they've worked on. Right. So that's another really valuable source. Right. And also, 
I know that there are some trainers out there that give lifetime guarantees. You can't guarantee behavior because, number one, you are the one training the dog. So I can't guarantee that you're going to keep up the training for the rest of the dog's life. So you just need to be very wary of a trainer who guarantees the dog's behavior for its life. I think also it's not just that. It's also that behavior is fluid. It is an evolving, changing thing, not just for your dog, for you, mm -hmm. for everybody. That's just the bottom line. Dogs might go along doing something or without doing a problem behavior for a very long time and suddenly get it in their pointed little heads to do something right. that they haven't done before. So what you can do is you can guarantee to be there for somebody. Right. Provided you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't really say that this training that we do is then going to last the dog's lifetime without some caveats, without saying if you continue to reinforce it at the correct level, if your life doesn't change yeah. so dramatically. That the there are a lot of variables to yeah. that. And not only that, but a lot of these trainers, they charge extra because they say it's a lifetime guarantee, but they could be out of business in three years. Right. And you know what? I don't want to just down trainers. It's just that there are so many things that we know about that we try to help people not fall into these traps. Well, and not only that, but we run into so many people who have hired two or three other trainers before us, and they've already spent a ton of money and haven't gotten anything done. Right. And it makes us feel bad, but at the same time, we do this for a living, so it's not like we can come out there for free and fix your problem. You know, and that's the absolute truth. And those people, I always want to say, well, I won't charge you. But then I'm not charging. The other person didn't get results, and I'm not charging, and I am. And it's really hard. It's right. A, it's a quandary, and it's tough. And it's an emotional issue. It is, especially when it's a behavior problem that has other potential side effects or dangers, and we feel really bad about it. Yeah. And that's why we're asking you to please do your research in finding a trainer. So I'm going to say what I say to everybody that I talk to, and that is, you don't have to hire me. Big mistake. <laughs> you don't have to hire me. <laughs> Honestly, this is she, who I am. She I really had a hard time keeping a straight face it. on that one. I am just playful. You don't have to hire me. You don't have to hire Laura. But the thing is, be realistic about knowing when it's time to seek qualified help, mm -hmm. and then qualify your help. Yeah. Get out there and qualify your trainer so that you don't get taken, so the job gets done. Right. And know that you're going to be a big part of that job. Right. That it's not all about the trainer. Exactly. And, you know, another good one is what I used to get all the time, and I don't so much anymore, which I'm pleased about, is that people would call and ask me how many titles I have on my dogs. Do you see that on some other trainer's websites? Ask your trainer, you know, your potential trainer, how many titles he has on his dog mm -hmm. or she has on her dogs. Titles in what? My dog has agility titles. How does that pertain to your resource guarding issue? Right. Well, you know what? All it does is speak to the amount of work that a trainer does. Yeah. Dog. And it does do that, but I agree with you, unless you're hiring an agility trainer. Right. And by the way, just because somebody has a lot of titles and has done very well with their own dogs doesn't necessarily mean that they're be, they they, they can, a good trainer. Yeah, but I mean, they can deal with your dogs, too. Yes. But also, I mean, the same thing with competition obedience. Unless you are going into competition obedience, it doesn't matter if I have competition obedience titles. The bottom line is, it, it, maybe it's not your right. interest. No, it's not you know, at all. In reality, to be a good trainer, you don't have to be interested in competing. Right. It's not as if there is a direct correlation between competing and your level of expertise with dogs. Right. If I wanted to compete with my dog in a sport, I would like someone who's done that. Yes. So that they can help me with And that's that. the instructor you look for. If somebody comes to me and wants to do competition obedience, I refer them to somebody else. Who goes out to those competitions and really knows what's, new yeah. what's happening right now. So hopefully 
after you listen to this, you have an idea of whether or not it's time for you to maybe seek some help, and if so, how to qualify a trainer to get the job done well. And hopefully also you understand after listening to this that it's not all about what your trainer does. Right. big part of it is about what you do. Right. Okay, so that does it for today. This is Kim with Eight Misbehaving Canine. And Laura from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.